Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Michael Snydell. Hello, it's just me and you drifting in space. I was about to say, <laughs> and that is it. It's just the two of us. Oh, fuck. I totally should have done the Will Smith song. <laughs> in honor of Aladdin being in theaters and it being just the two of us. But yeah, no, it's just you and me today. Bill couldn't be here. We're recording early because I'm going on vacation. And every time that I've tried to record while on vacation previously, like my audio is a mess or it's difficult to see the movie. So I figured this time, fuck it, we'll do it early. And thus, here we are. Today we'll be talking about Anyara. Yeah, um, they do pronounce it. So yeah, that's that's yeah. it. I, I kept calling this Aniara. Oh, me too. <laughs> which is not right. It's Anyara. Um, it's, a science, so <laughs> it's a sci-fi movie by Pella Kagerman. And um, it's uh, and, and, oh, and Hugo Lilja. So, yeah, look forward to that. It is uh, out in limited release and on VOD. So you are free to check this movie out. And we will tell you our thoughts as to whether or not you should. Uh, of course, before that... All the usual guff. You can find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show. Facebook, search for The Film Stage Show. And uh, we can be emailed podcast at thefilmstage.com and uh, give us a comment rating on iTunes. In addition, become a patron of this fine program by going to patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow. For as little as $1 an episode, you get access to our super cool Slack channel. You get first crack at all of our raffles. And uh, you get the sense of accomplishment that comes from knowing that you help us continue to scream opinions into microphones. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. Hell yeah. You, you, you hear me go on one of those classic rants, or you hear Michael Seidel sigh just in utter disappointment <laughs> and loss, and you just go, yeah, my dollar helped that happen. How many people heard that it was just us two and were just like, oh, Fuck, I, I can't do this. Hey, whoa, I'm going to have for, to save this one. <laughs> I feel like the last time it was just the two of us. Oh, wait, that was the New World, right? Or was... I can't remember oh, if yes. it was the New World or New Colossus. No, I think it was... I think it was New World. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that was a that was a good conversation if I do say so myself. Yeah. Um, that was the first episode we ever recorded where I had my new computer. Yes. Awesome. Here I am sitting in front of it still, still doing this show. So yeah, uh, patreon.com slash the film stage show. We, of course, are also brought to you by Mubi, the uh, rotating film selection cinema where you get a brand new film every day that you have 30 days to watch. And uh, with that, um, what was I going to say? I was going to say with that, you get a bunch of great, awesome little programs that they have. For instance, they have What is an Auteur. Right now, there are two films by Eugene Green. 
Uh, you've got Son of Joseph and La Sapienza. In addition, they've got their can takeover still happening. You got stuff like Four Months, Three Weeks, and Two Days, Morris Peros, Harakiri, and The Homesman, The Kid with a Bike, and Paranoid Park. It's just, oh God, I'm just looking at this and I'm like furious that I'm going on vacation and actually going to have to like talk yeah. with my family because I would love to just be able to watch all these movies. <laughs> There are too many movies on on movie, which is you know not a bad thing. But they are on a hot streak. Like usually, I see stuff and I'm like, oh, that's a curiosity. I really want to check that out. But there's yeah. so many movies on there right now where I'm like actively have been anticipating seeing this movie for a while <laughs> that it's kind of crazy. And you're just like, oh, five days to watch it. God damn it, yeah, son of a bitch. <laughs> Uh, but that is one of the great things about movie is that they do have a rotation. You have 30 days to watch a film. So unlike Netflix, where you're like, oh, all right, yeah, I'll add that to my list. And then I'll just watch Frasier. Movie gives you a sense of urgency. For instance, leaving tonight at midnight is Tape by Richard Linklater. Michael, have you watched Tape yet? I did. Did you not like it? <laughs> I thought it was okay. All I right. well, I didn't like the... And I, I, here's here's what I'll say. If this goes, is this going out today? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. So tape you can you can also rent on various platforms. Tape is interesting. It's a it's a play that has been made into it's a, a single chamber thriller in one room. And what I'll say is I've never seen Ethan Hawke as scuzzy as he is in that movie. Oh, he's so scuzzy. He's so scuzzy. And that's even before smell the nicotine on him. Yeah. That's before he's doing lines in a hotel in a hotel room with Roland Rock. Not Roland Rock. Damn it. What what is the beer that I'm thinking of that's cheap that starts with rolling? <laughs> Brian, where are you right now? Come on. Anyway. A cheap uh, rolling beer? <laughs> I think it's rolling rock something. Eh. And anyways. Shinerbach? No, no, it's Michelob Ultra. <laughs> no, you're useless, Brian. And anyway, uh, Robert Sean, Sean Leonard is really good in it. He was the one who really surprised me and who's just kind of someone I wish was still in movies. So I, I didn't hate it or anything, but uh, yeah, man. <laughs> no, here's here's what I'll actually say. That's a that's a point in favor of movie. I can say like criteria, like criterion movies, even if I don't necessarily like the things I'm almost always happy. I watch them because they feel like they introduced me to either something new or, you know, showed me a, a, a different take or just something that I'd never heard of. And I gave a chance to, so like, I, I really have to give so much credit to the movie programmers because they really find such a eclectic, selection of things that i've heard of and never heard of and that's that's awesome it is i mean like here's the thing whenever people hear me talk about like independent foreign or art house films people are like picturing an old man trying to <laughs> fix a fence you know like in a long take you know and like people come up to him and are like yosef your son has died and he just like nods and goes back to trying to fix the fence <laughs> The movie allows for a wide range of stuff where you're like, okay, look, I'm going to show you that the rest of the world has comedy. All right. I'm going to show sure. you the rest of the world has romance. Like, uh, yeah. anyway, um, mending a fence on a Tuesday morning is a great movie. Uh, so 
<laughs> so if you'd like a free 30 day trial period of movie, go to mubi.com slash film stage. Again, that is mubi.com slash film stage. Um, and that is all for now. Yeah, so we can get into our feature review, which again is on Yara. This is the story of a Mars-bound floating cruise ship of emigrants from Earth that is knocked off course and uh, cascades through the cosmos as they uh, try to to adapt to life uh, as adrift in space. So here is the trailer. Always a crapshoot when we do a foreign language film with the trailer. <laughs> Almost as good as the tribe. <laughs> Almost. I I stopped it before they finally got to some subtitle dialogue. But I mean, unless you're out there speaking Swedish, I don't think you're gonna be able to to understand it anyway. So it shouldn't really matter to you. Anyway, uh, here we are talking about Anyara uh, again by Pella Kagerman and Hugo Lilge. Um. This is a movie that's out presently on VOD and a limited release, and we are here to review it. I'm going to say that I went into this movie knowing absolutely nothing, and um, the it started surprising me fairly quickly, and thus I would like to give our standard, if a movie like this happens, little one-word answer, should someone see this movie? Michael Snydell. No. Interesting. I'm going to say yes. It's impressive, though. I'll right. say that. I, the funny thing is, I feel like we're going to agree more than we disagree. Sure. But I still think that people should see this movie. If you have any interest in sci-fi and, like, you know, just concepts of humanity, I think you should check this movie out. I think it's I think it's worth your seven bucks to rent this film. So, uh, yeah, if you were here just for that... There you go. We are now going to get into our spoiler-free section that may still involve some spoilers. <laughs> so, yeah, here we are. Anyara, Michael Snydell, you don't think that people should see this. Why is that? I think that it starts really interestingly. I, I, as, as like you, I was surprised very early on. In this movie, I think that at a certain point, it becomes a little bit too performatively bleak. Um, I, I think that the interesting questions it has to say about people who are in space and missing people and the lives that they think they should have, as well as, you know, what makes a broadly what makes a society i think those questions are all pretty interesting i think where it starts all falling apart in various ways is 
when they realize the problems of this premise and where you can go with it. Um, I, and, and that's, I guess that's what I'll say now. I think the performances are really good. I want to make a correction. I said Carrie Ann Moss was in this a few weeks ago. <laughs> you did. There, you have two corrections coming off of our Booksmart episode. One is Where'd You Go Bernadette is apparently Linklater and not Haynes. And Carrie Ann Moss is nowhere near this movie. No, but uh, I... There is I, a woman with sharp features and messy dark hair who looks like she could be a distant relative of Carrie Ann Moss. I would say that Isagel's character looks a little bit like a Swedish Carrie Ann Moss, but <laughs> that being said, I was definitely <laughs> wrong about that. That was so funny. I was I was legitimately watching the movie being like, alright, where is she? Who's who's the woman that Michael Snydell saw in a trailer and was like, oh, Carrie Ann Moss is in that. That movie I, where no one speaks English. Okay, there is a tiny bit of in this there's a tiny bit of spanish in this yes carry Car- moss is not in this but yeah Car- moss is not in this movie <laughs> I, I mean what's your what's your immediate reaction to what i'm saying about where this generally damn it how do we do this without getting in spoilers <laughs> i'm okay i'm gonna say i'm gonna say some random stuff and then we're just gonna sure. fuck it and say the spoilers are happening good. so you say that this movie gets too dark which is not incorrect to say but i kind of like the way that it becomes dark um we talk sometimes on this show and i i will say something like the the thing happened too fast you know we missed the interesting part of the movie sure high High life was something where you talked about this with where there's yeah there's a few similarities between There, there are um there were for instance in this movie there is a room where you can sort of go into a trance and live in a memory of earth. And yes. my immediate thought was this seems more useful than a fuck box. <laughs> um, there's a kind of like interesting, like, Hey, what was it? Is it like Hajj or Hage? Like kind of feeling to the interior design. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, someone's going to tweet at me and correct me on my pronunciation of that. Um <laughs> That's fine. Karen Moss is not in this movie. Um, but I think that this movie is able to get away with some of the darkness that it goes into because it skips the ramp up to it and will yeah. show it to you when it has become the new normal. And I think that that's one of those narrative tricks of like knowing when to cut, knowing what to skip over. And what is going to make it easier for the audience to deal with the new reality and what's going to leave them with just too many questions. So like there's, it, there are time jumps in this movie and they are given with like a screen that says how long it's been. And then there's the chapter title. Like, yes. <laughs> One of them happened and I just started laughing my ass <laughs> off and I was so excited to see what it was. I think that the the actors in this movie are very good. I love the subtle ways at first that it shows what's going on. And I love the fact that it kind of, it, it, it constantly undercuts your perception of what it's going to be just by continuing to happen. 
it's like when the first couple of subtitles happened or the the title cards happened i was like all right yeah okay okay cool what the (laughs) fuck (laughs) and that's like 15 minutes into the movie yeah (laughs) it does it so fast because i was like you know i i appreciate the movie blindness um which is about an entire society of people who have become blind with a uh, a kind of white like a white blindness and they're sent to like an old insane asylum it's by the guy who uh it's a uh, fernando Dude, city morales of dead, right or city of god, city of god. yeah city of um dead. it is not as fun or energetic as city of god it's uh he took out all the parts of city of god that make the like poverty and bleakness a little easier to handle um i appreciate that movie i loved the book and that movie is let's just watch these people tear each other apart and it becomes difficult it becomes a slog and if you're not ready for it then you don't get that and this movie is like okay everyone's become blind x amount of time later and it's just like holy shit so i was ramped up for like okay this is gonna be like blindness in space but everyone can see and then the movie's like and now we're just gonna skip that part And there's a boldness to that that I sort of love. Is this a hallway shot that you're referring to? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. There's um, there's like there's a lot of this movie that I was just like, well, they did this. Like they they sat down and you you picture like writers sitting down and being like, okay, so this is the idea. Okay, so like we take them out to this point, and then we got this happening, and all this other stuff, and then some guy. Actually, you know what? We're just gonna do spoilers. (laughs) We're all right let's do some. this yeah and then so like it's like all right so so a screw pierced their nuclear fuel and we they had to jettison that and they're off course okay right but they say like oh it's gonna be like two years till we hit a celestial body and we'll be able to slingshot around it was supposed to be three weeks did you did we mention that already yeah the trip initially yes. is supposed to be three weeks and so the, you you see that where they're just like yeah we're just gonna get close to a planet and we'll swing around and we'll be fine we'll be back on course and everyone's like <laughs> Yeah, sure. That scans. And there's a part of my my brain that's like, that seems easy or ridiculous. <laughs> and then in like 12 minutes or like even less, she's talking to an astronomer and she's like, so what do you like? What do you what what do you think we're going to slingshot around? The astronomer's like, there's nothing out there. I love the astronomer. It's <laughs> never going to happen. Like you, we're screwed. And she's just like, oh, no. Yeah. And so. Again, I'm thinking like, okay, now we're just going to watch the steady dissolution of this entire society. And it's just going to like, they're going to tear each other apart. It's going to be like high rise meets sure. high life meets blindness. Event, and instead, event horizon. <laughs> yeah. And then instead the movie's like, yeah, like going back to that analogy about the people in this, in the room, like, okay, so what are we going to do? Like, there's going to be rationing. There's going to be stratification. And then some guys like, what if we just, what if it's just three years later? They're like, oh, okay, so yeah, we like we skip, and then we're in that place, and then he's like, and then what if it's like, what if we just skip another year? Yeah, and it just keeps happening, and so like it starts with like routine mission. Yeah, I, I, I wrote down all of them: routine voyage, yeah, uh, without a map, right, and then it goes to the year three, which is the Yerg. Yes. <laughs> then year four, the Colts. Yes, that's the one where I was like, oh yes. <laughs> Year five, the calculation. Year six, the spear. Mm-hmm. Year ten, the jubilee. Year twenty four, the sarcophagus. I, year okay. five thousand nine hundred eighty one four hundred. <laughs> I um, 
when it when it said like the sarcophagus that was another like cheer from me i was like oh my god like this is incredible and like the last two or three happen within like 12 minutes for sure and what 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 was the year was it 5000 or was it 5 million no it's it's 5000 okay yeah yeah i was just like holy shit there's something just insanely bold about that where you realize that like even though you got this perspective character in the vastness of space and time she stops meaning anything and like they they make all these little things where they're like okay so we'll be able to eat algae forever it's not gonna taste good but we can live forever and then you realize like okay so like when you take away scarcity or like the worry that resources are gonna deplete and you just have these people on this thing they're just gonna keep going (laughs) they do and they get one good year somewhere in the middle where they think they've been sent fuel rods. Yes. <laughs> and then after that, they're like, all right, well, it's just time to, we're just going to die. <laughs> but we're going to keep going because why not? Like the cults one, I believe is the one where they're looking at like a suicide and the guy's like, how many is that? And it's like 43. And 48. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, only 40, 43. That's not bad. And he's like 43 this month. And this I was month. like, oh no, <laughs> that's pretty bad. See, that's that is one of like the key things, though. I think that the early parts of this have this kind of mordant humor undercutting everything. Like even when it comes to we haven't talked about Mima, (laughs) which Mima is like one. The other thing I thought you were going to mention earlier is that like in the early going, you're not even watching like the captain. Or anything. Yeah. I, by the way, I love every time we see the captain, he's working out like so hard. <laughs> like at first he's doing that bizarre thing where he's doing like gymnastics on two tree stumps. And, yeah. then, he's on a, <laughs> and then he's on like a, a Bowflex type thing or something. But I do. There's a part of me that appreciates that he never goes like Colonel Kurtz. Me too. Yes. He's, he's constantly just like, look, I am the captain. I have to look real nice. I'm going to try out a lot of facial hair. And I'm just, we're just going to go. And I'm just going to keep trying to keep my body strong for all the people who depend on me. But I, but I think that's, I think that's ultimately the problem though, is I, I think that there is still an attention to detail there. I, I love when he gives a, uh, he gives a medal to Mister, and you see that he has uh, his wrist tied, as in he probably tried to cut his wrists and then decided that he needed to be there yeah. for the very for the for the crew that remains. But I think the problem is like that's right after the astronomer passes. That's right after the big moment with Isabel and the child, which that was something I, I didn't quite roll my eyes, but it was more like. I feel like you guys painted yourself into a corner here. Mm-hmm. Like you're losing, you're losing the most interesting parts of what this would become, and just kind of becoming like it. Just everyone just kind of gets like pure ennui. <laughs> it's a, it's a little <laughs> bit tedious, and like it just doesn't have that same like kick. I, I think towards the end, and then by the time we end with like. Yes, what is a good joke, but also I was I just kind of felt like, all right, what was the what was the point here? Uh, and that's not that's not to say that it needed to be optimistic or uh, pessimistic or anything. It's just I think 
that at a certain point that like fascinating structure becomes its own crutch. And I, I kind of agree with that because again, this seems like dynamite premise, you know, like every we're off course, we're floating through space. And once you commit yourself to the reality of this is that they'd never be saved. So we're not going to have like Chris Pratt figuring out how to do something. (laughs) Then you've kind of got to go like, so they all die eventually. Like, sure. Like, you know, if we don't want this to turn into a bloodbath, which again, the, as weird as it is to say, the view of humanity in this movie is very akin to the view of humanity that I would expect in a situation like this. Like I'm tired of these movies where it's like, so the zombie apocalypse has happened. Um, most people are cannibals now. And um, we're fighting over canned food. And the one happy place that set up a farm is going to get burned to the ground by a bunch of raiders. Because whenever a disaster happens, there's a little bit of that. But usually sure. the community comes back together and realizes that like there's strength in numbers. And like people who have skills need to band together to help create a society that can exist, you know? Yeah. Um, There's definitely a fascinating way that this shows people who have skills and people who are just kind of workers. mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm actually watching the, the terror right now. And, uh, it just came to Hulu and I've been recommended it. And that as well has been an interesting parallel because that's made me think a lot about, even though that's sentence set in the 19th century, that's making me think a lot about how if you're a part of a crew, even if things start to become dire and, and things start to break down, there is still there's still an understanding that you need to work in ranks. Like, right. you know, even when shit is bad and rations seem down, it's important that you also, you know, keep your your beard trimmed. <laughs> and, and I think this movie as well gets that certain level of civility and humanity while also making it kind of kind of gross and and it's something that high-rise did not find a good balance between yeah high-rise was Um, a mess like i remember watching that and just being like i can't track anything in this yes yeah like image wise i think there are some things that have stuck with me but like in terms of i I completely agree with you like in terms of like logistics and and things like that I, i think that this movie does find something something powerful and even just showing from you know from a a year to the next year uh, like oh how many people are gone or or just that that scene where we we don't even know what that purple stuff was (laughs) like it's just some like unknown space anomaly that seemed to or i don't know if it's a space anomaly maybe it was something with the ship that broke or something i never quite understood what was happening there but the point was like then you just see on the floor dozens of bodies like i think all of that stuff works really well which is why it's almost weird for me to see the movie almost give up if that makes any sense it does make sense but i think to me the the concept of it giving up is like it's (laughs) Again, like, you know they're all going to die. Like, it has to happen. Like, it's just so... It's good to me that the movie at some point, like, acknowledges that. And so, like, it it jumps, like, you know, from, like, week one to, like, a couple months to a couple years. And 
And that cut to like the Jubilee, I was like, oh, wow, that's that's a big cut. And then it's like, and now we're 14 years later. <laughs> and I was like, oh, OK. And then it's like, and now uh, it's 5000 years later. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, crap. There's there's something to my mind very bold and interesting about the the shift of like, OK, we have cared about these people and now it's time to just follow this this thing through to the end and it it sort of reminds me Mm. almost of um the fountain okay where it's like all right so we got this guy we got this girl you know all this stuff is happening here's stuff in the past and now we're just gonna move to the future so far that it's almost unrecognizable and it's like his death and the death of a star and all this other stuff is happening like i just sci-fi so very often feels like it still has to be like a standard story and i know that i'm gonna get a lot of people who are like well have you read this book have you read the foundation trilogy and no i fucking haven't clearly (laughs) i see primarily movies and tv shows and and the books that i read are all the really depressing ones like blindness um so but i i like that like star wars for instance (laughs) star wars I remember the first time that I saw Star Wars and they were like, the Clone Wars. And I was like, oh shit, that's crazy. And that guy's so old, that might have been like 50 years ago. And then you see the prequels, it's like, well, it's more like 25. <laughs> I was like, how the fuck are the Jedi a disbelieved order when they were around? <laughs> like, like compared to today, like, I, I don't know, like in 1997. Like, how is that possible that people are like, oh, the force, that bullshit that no one believes in anymore. Like, if the Catholic <laughs> Church were destroyed today, people would still be like, oh, yeah, like, I remember Catholics. Those were a sure. thing, <laughs> you know? And so, like, to my, and then, you know, we find out there's a new trilogy coming and it's like, and it's been another 30 years. <laughs> and I just, I'd love it if some of these things, you know, but they're so tied to characters, which is the problem. Like, I wish that, like, the next Star Wars trilogy was like, it's been 2,000 years. <laughs> Everything is worse now. Nothing is good. And this is why. And this is a weird thing to bring up. I remember watching Game of Thrones. And they were like, the wall has stood for, like, 2,000 years. And the first men came here 3,000 years ago or whatever. And I was just thinking about it. I was like, it's been thousands of years. Like, why don't they have cell phones? Like, where? What? Like, there's a there's a part of my brain that every time it's like, you know, the the the, the, the what are we gonna call it? Like the the oak cycle. And it's like, you know, for five thousand years, my family has ruled this kingdom from the first time that we sunk the stones of the foundation of this castle. And I'm like, and you guys don't fucking have cars yet? Like. Even steam engines, like you have nothing. You're still using horses and all this other bullshit. Come on, like, and so there's a Pixar trailer that came out today. Oh God! For Outward, I think it's called. Did you watch it, Michael? No, it's it's the Goblin thing, right? Yeah, I'm gonna spoil the shit out of this trailer for you. Spoil the shit out of it. It starts off, and there's like a dude riding a, a, a a Pegasus or and a unicorn or whatever. And it's like, you know, you know, thousands of years ago, there was a magical kingdom. And I was like, oh, man, I don't want this. Like, this isn't what I want. <laughs> and then it cuts and it's like, but now things are different. And it's like 
80s suburbia, but with all of the creatures and stuff. And so, like, now Pegasi unicorns are basically pigeons. Like, a kid yells at his brother for leaving the lid off of the trash can because now these shitty, dirty unicorns are eating all their food. <laughs> Wait, this sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, they finally did it. Like, it's finally happened. That The dream that I've had forever of, like, you know, like, Daenerys Targaryen's, like, great-great-great-great-grandchild just, like, sitting on a couch as her mother's like, now what are our family words? And the kid's, like, on Insta just, like, liking things. It's like, I don't know, like, fucking fire and blood or something? Shut up. (laughs) And I was just like, this is great. I love this. And so that's a long-winded way of saying that I love that this movie, which is about a very simple human thing, you know, it involves the space elevator. It involves, like, all this technology that is not so crazy far away and is about like the population of mars which again is not a very far out there idea somehow ends five to six thousand years in the future (laughs) as just this like bold mission statement of like yeah you're gonna die they're gonna die everyone's gonna die and this like hunk of metal is gonna go by a planet that looks a lot like earth i guess i guess my thing is then then why spend so much time in the early going like why even like at at a certain point that structure then starts to feel like a trick like like some misdirection uh, this whole time because if you want to just do something so is is nihilistic the word i want here i i I don't i don't try to overuse that word so (laughs) but the thing is i don't think that it's nihilism because in the end of the day it's it's a statement on like entropy it's not these people are crazy and they're not able to work together and so within seven years they're all dead you know it's not like high life where they just start raping and murdering each other it's um it's a thing of like look like it's it's over like it's just not gonna work like when you have a population this small in this place even if you have the ability to keep everything going that's just not how it works like and maybe it is the fact that like they are more aware now of that truth than ever that like they don't last more than like 24 years but also like that's just that's the truth of it you know if you ever want to freak yourself out just look around and say like in four thousand years none of this is going to be here no one's going to remember me (laughs) like you know like if you even if you were to take away things like climate change and nuclear weapons like just think about what the world was like 2,000 years ago. And try to think about if you remember literally any single human's name from that time. There's a couple. They're there's not a guy new. named Jesus. Yeah, there's Jesus, there's Pontius Pilate, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke. There's a Mary or two running around. But, like, we don't have a lot of those people. Like, those names don't persist. Those civilizations don't persist. And so it's it's interesting to watch this movie put that on a microcosm. <laughs> Again, I love that there's a point where it's just, like, the cults. It's just like, oh, sweet, we've done that. That's happening now. <laughs> well, I, I guess then we, given given that then, I mean, I'm just let – me, let me focus specifically on – so – I mean, you're someone who is often you notice when things are used as devices. So, I, I mean, do you think it's odd, for instance, if we're talking about what would happen to the system? And 
granted, we obviously don't want, as you're saying, like, you know, this one group that's totally fine and these other people who are totally rabid. But I, I think that the ways that this becomes about suicide rather than like actually becoming even a little bit more macro in those sections it's just kind of it's just kind of cheap like it, it feels like these characters that we've known um like it, it's like you're minimizing the world as you're also trying to uh, show how large it is like even when she goes we see like a glimpse of this when she goes to the party to ask uh the captain if she can do the the i forgot what she calls it she calls it a beam screen i think is what yeah. she calls it and like that's something that tells me okay there are obviously a, there's a class system here there is some type of world here and we see that the same as when people as there's literally essentially a draft for people being assigned different jobs um, based on whether they have skills or based on, you know, whether yeah. they just have a working back. <laughs> um, so like, I guess that's, that's what ultimately becomes a problem is that like, I feel like they take the easy way out. Even if we want to not even talk about this being entropy. Um, I think I just by the by the time and by the time of the third act and how much we focus on just the the death and the constant depression that's going around, I just I found it so so old. At, at a certain point, I think I just became desensitized to it in a way that no longer felt like it had any thematic purpose other than to just like bludgeon me. <sighs> I don't know, because I didn't feel bludgeoned, which is weird, because like you said, I'm usually able to pick up on like devices like that. <clears throat> but I think there was a point where I just realized that that this was just what was happening. And I think I was able to switch my brain into that mode. I mean, there were there were there were aspects that I had a little bit of an issue with, like um uh Isigel's suicide and, and the the murder of their child as well. Where I was like, all right, that's a little bleak. Like, I don't know why we need to see that. Especially because then the movie is like, and we're cutting again. <laughs> sure. But I guess, you know, just seeing that that uh, the the Mima Robin is still alive after all that. It was like, oh, okay. Like, so she persisted. She's she's still there. And her beam screen is, is doing great. <laughs> until but it's she, not. Yeah, she persists. But her biggest achievement is being able to give the people a connection to the past. Like there's, there's nothing that she's doing that pragmatically helps people other than coping with trauma. Um, yeah, I guess. Well, like, what did you make of the Mima? Do you think the Mima is a healthy thing? I am I, deeply confused about the Mima because it begins <laughs> talking at a certain point. Um, so yeah, that's let's strange. Talk, let's talk about the Mima for a bit. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, oh, like in Sunshine, in Sunshine, there's like the the room with the screens and everything happening, um, and and that's like the Earth room they call it. Like it, it gives you a place to 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 chill out and relax, you know, and and reconnect. And Mima is like that, but it like lives in your brain. 
and it has access to your memories in a way and but reflects only the good memory it's supposed to but it gets bad at a certain point (laughs) like it seems (laughs) like the mima grows tired of its job and it, it, it really seems like a weird artificial intelligence with its own language that then just says, fuck it. <laughs> I don't know how anybody was like, like, just maybe my brain's fucked. My brain's probably fucked. But I could not, like, think of a good memory <laughs> for an extended period of time. Like, <laughs> there's no doubt that I would be, like, you know, it, in an ocean or something, and then it would turn into fucking lava or something. <laughs> And a bad memory of school or something like <laughs> you just have like, like you're it's just looking through your brain it's like this guy has no good memories can we at least give him an interesting bad one but but i guess that was like part of my thing like i, I think it's an interesting idea that especially it got more crowded i, I like that touch a lot yeah that people were like uh i definitely need some time in there she's <laughs> yeah. like i'm having more people in like one session than i usually get in a whole voyage yes and like, yeah, I, I guess that's my my question about Mima or like what to even make of of the of the more like pragmatic view that you're talking about. Because given that so much time is spent on the Mima and then the you know Mima 2.0, the beam screen, like those are things that are just meant to shield you from the inevitable. <laughs> Is that (laughs) well? I I think that, uh, and you know, it depends on how dark you want to get because it could just be a cool sci fi idea that like helps to pass the time on a space voyage, or it could be like this is like the entertainment industry projecting its lies in front of you to help like you to ignore the eventuality that we are all going to die one day, (laughs) which works that um totally works in that section. It's a, and I love the fact that they set up like a memorial to it. Oh, I do. I, I like that too. Yeah. I was just like, oh boy, that's, I, it's real dark. I think I like a lot in the first half of this movie. It seems like you did. And I, I like yeah. those same things. And I think I just had a better time transitioning to the madness. <laughs> sure. Do you recall which section kind of broke you? Um... I think it's probably the suicide, honestly. I think that was the time. Uh, and I didn't, I guess before that is the one where she takes, she takes acid, right? And then goes to dance. Yeah. I wasn't wild about that either. Like that kind of felt self-indulgent in in a way that the rest of the film did not. So like going from this like kind of, uh, uh, sorry, um, like selective precision uh, in terms of what it would show of time mm-hmm. to then go into a sequence that then seems all about distorting that. And I guess you could probably say that's, that's around the time madness happens, I guess, but <laughs> it, it was around that where I started, started being like, okay, we're just kind of grinding to the end here. Um, and especially once it made the the choice of the suicide and, how important that becomes. I, I think it, it just, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I think this should probably be an hour and a half. It's seven hour and 45 minutes, by the way. Uh, that's fair. I mean, you know, I, I this isn't one of those movies where I felt the length, but I do think that maybe there could have been some fat to trim, though I'm presently having a hard time thinking about it. And I think that part of that is just because the last 15 minutes is so crazy. <laughs> but I'm like, well, it can't be that. Like, we're definitely not losing that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I... I, I I guess why it goes back to no is that I, I can't help that in the in the time since I've watched it, I my main thought is that like I can't figure out why I was put through what became a gauntlet at a certain point. Um, and even as I can understand, maybe not on a pragmatic level, understand in on some uh, nihilistic way where it goes, like I still think it's just kind of unnecessary, which brings me to the thing I, <laughs> I, I mentioned to you before this podcast. And, you yeah. know, I, I think I, I think I joked, um, I, I joked on Twitter actually earlier and I was like, love to finish a movie and have my final response be sure. Okay. <laughs> and that was literally my response at that last shot. Like it was kind of like, uh, this is kind of sly, but also I, I, I don't know why I am continually watching these extremely pessimistic sci-fi films. And it got me thinking that, there has been so little optimistic sci-fi and optimistic. You can take to mean a lot of different things. Cause I'd even, I, I, the, the, I was trying to think about the last time I had like a lot of fun watching a sci-fi film <laughs> and it was our surprise love of this year, <laughs> battle angel Alita. <laughs> um, but even before that, you know, it's, it's probably the Wachowski sisters, like, like, or, or someone who has a very playful nature or, and then, the the last title that I mentioned to you before we started was was The Martian, mm -hmm. which you made the great point where it's, you know, it's technically sci-fi, but it's really much closer to reality than. Well, really, you know, it's more of a like... musical or comedy. So. <laughs> exactly. So I guess what I just wanted to talk to you about, I mean, are you also star for something that's happier, Brian? <laughs> I, you know, I get my happiness where I can get my happiness. Um, I, it, it is weird though that like you brought that up and there was a part of me that was like, you know, yeah, we don't just have like happy sci-fi. Like sci-fi usually has to be like, I guess the, the most you can hope for is thoughtfully optimistic. <laughs> and, um, for instance, like Arrival. Arrival is a sad movie, but the overall message of Arrival is that these aliens have given us a language that can help us to better understand one another and sure. see the long view of history and put aside our petty grievances. So, like, that's happy. Like, that's a good ending. <laughs> but the movie is all strife and memories of dead children. And melancholy. <laughs> yeah. And so it's it's hard. Like, I'm like... Guardians of the Galaxy is like happy and go lucky, but it's not really like, and again, it's, it's so hard to talk about sci-fi because technically science fiction, because sure. it takes place in space, like it's not, and I hate the term hard sci-fi because that makes it seem like it should be Arrival or Anyara where it's like legitimately hard to get through. Sure. It's, 
it's weird that like we don't have more sci-fi that just kind of like embraces that hey maybe something could be good because it feels like science fiction always has to teach us a lesson or give us a warning yeah it's it's very rarely like don't worry we're gonna do this great thing and it's gonna be awesome and and everyone's gonna love it and whenever it does have something like that it's usually then until like capitalism gets its hand on it I, I think it makes it just as fascinating too that we found Battle Angel Alita like collectively so much fun, despite it taking place in a in a very dystopian, uh, you know, classically gross world. And I, I don't know whether you know. I, I mean, that's in part the the filmmaking, which is so much about pure sensation above like the story and you know a, a sense of. You know, just uh, the production design is colorful, <laughs> which is even rare these days. But like, I still, I just, I, I don't know what to, what to make of that. And and Anyara, I guess, just brings that, brings that, you know, back to the forefront because I, I, I think I just get tired a little bit of these ponderous sci-fi things. I mean, I, I am on record of uh, as not really liking you know, uh, Annihilation, but then, you know, when I, I'm thinking of the past few years in sci-fi, you know, it's like Annihilation, it's Blade Runner, it's, um, oh, geez, there's got to be another, like, marquee sci-fi title, right? Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm i going to have to quietly search this while we've been talking this, but, <laughs> you know, like, all of those are, if they're not dystopic, you know, they're kind of ponderous and they're they're very rarely about like the possibility and, and the the elation that comes from those capabilities. And, and maybe that's why The Martian was the, the thing that came to mind. Right, because The Martian is all about like the joy of scientific, like the scientific method, really. It's like a a great celebration of the act of science. It's it's not really like oh we should never go to Mars like wasn't there was it Mission to Mars or or like Red Planet where like <laughs> Red it was Planet. just like the the tagline <laughs> was just like shouldn't it come here <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. oh, this was, was a mistake pitch black pitch, that black. Could also be pitch black but like you know the Martian is like science is great just science the act of science like and discovery and everything like that's wonderful but it's not like they came up with like a gadget and we're just like let's just look at how cool this gadget is which is because i think inherently like it sounds like a terrible idea for a movie because like where's the inherent tension like what's the point of watching it but at the same time like you know you there should be some sort of joy and happiness and i think alita gets away with it because it's so crazy it's such a weird like fantasy world and we honestly don't know much about it at the end of it I'm still confused about who won the war. Um, sure. And like, yeah, they just were like, motorball. I was like, oh, motorball. That's fun. Uh, it's it's very hard to, to grasp with that and to think about, like, if I wanted to create, like, a poppy, optimistic sci-fi movie, like, what would it even be? And at that point, would it be anything more than just a, a Star Wars style like space opera where like it doesn't have anything to say about science or the future? It's just like sure about a bunch of rousing rebels trying to take shit on. 
Yeah, I mean, that that definitely seems like the case. And I realized another, not necessarily missed opportunity, but especially diehard fans have had so much frustration with where the, well, I guess especially the second Star Trek movie Mm -hmm. and the new Star Trek series. There's been so much talk about how it's, it's let down the spirit of what that was, which is, as you were kind of similarly to uh, the Martian is it's about, it's about the joy of science. It's about discovery. It's about being in space and just going to a planet and meeting new, seeing new things. And and I I guess that's, there was that whole, uh, there's like a famous episode. That's like 100, like a a civilization that speaks 100% in idiom. Oh really? (laughs) That's great. Yeah. And so like, the, the they have the universal translator so they're understanding the english translation but they're like it makes no sense <laughs> he's saying like you know oh christ all my fucking nerd friends are mad at me right now it's like <laughs> you know mac with his arms wide open and like shaka when the walls fell and it's like what does that mean it doesn't mean anything. And then finally someone's like, okay, so they have a bunch of like legendary stories and they are idiomatically saying like, right now I am feeling like this conquering hero when he arrived home with his arms wide open because I'm so happy to see you. <laughs> and like this place when the walls fell is like something about like a mythic battle and like the walls of the city fell and everyone cried. And that means that they're like super sad because this is all over. And I'm like, like, that's an interesting idea. It can support a TV series because it can be episodic and they never have to, like, deal with that again. But I feel like in a movie, like, even if it's about someone inventing something cool and, like, learning that they have to, like, give it to the world, it becomes more about the spiritual journey of that character than the the meaning of the the scientific study or creation. And so for something sure. like Anyara it really like they just kind of double down on that concept of like and we're all going to die like you know and that's that's the science we're going for is just this concept of like the world's going to end someday and we are going to flee that world and maybe we'll start a new one but you know maybe we'll even if we do what is the point in 5000 years where will we be and like that makes to my mind the character moments so much more precious as you sort of realize that they they matter so much to the people who experience them and even though those people will be gone those people still existed at that time yeah i don't know it's 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 difficult because we live in a world where we we're seemingly constantly stuck between trying to elevate human life and dignity while at the same time constantly undercutting it as a means of making a point sure narratives need conflict yeah and so it becomes difficult for me sometimes to know like what's going to resonate with me and what's going to resonate with other people because like if your whole if your whole reason for being is wrapped up in the idea that everything is pointless and nothing matters because like we're we're all going to die then yeah it sucks <laughs> and while you're 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 technically correct if you can't find any purpose within your day-to-day life then why are you even here like what are you doing yeah i i think that's 
I, I think that's ultimately where I end up on this movie. Like, uh, you don't just, know why it's here, or what it's doing. Yeah, I, I guess so. It's, but I think it's also because I'm, I'm tired of seeing things like this. You know, it's, it, I, I swear to God, I just looked through the science fiction films of the 2010s and went back to 2012 trying to find even a single, uh, like, optimistic, positive sci-fi film that wasn't, you know, wasn't about some conflict between an under and overworld that wasn't <laughs> uh, uh, about trying to escape something that wasn't about people who maybe were fun but were then under attack by something. And I can't find anything. <laughs> I don't know. Does the adjustment bureau count? <laughs> That's more of like a spiritual thriller. Cause those are angels. Oh, geez. Yeah. Like, like uh, what does this tell you? Melancholia is a more, has a more positive outlook. I would say than a lot of these other ones I'm looking at, even I, if they have happy endings. <laughs> so I constantly argue that Melancholia has a happy ending. Oh, I, I mean, it does for Kirsten Dunn's character. Right, for her and her family, it has a happy sure. ending. And when you're looking at the annihilation of the world, you have to put every ending into context <laughs> of that. And so I once went on a podcast. That, that movie was released when I first started doing stuff like this. And uh-huh. I was a guest on a podcast with a bunch of other movie bloggers and this set up a tone for the rest of my life and dealing with the general population. Because these were guys who were like, this movie's boring. It's stupid. Everyone dies at the end. I don't get it. Oh I was like, don't you understand? <laughs> Do you understand that she saw it and she knew it was happening? And it's like a metaphor for depression. And even if you're right to be depressed, if you can find the grace within you to give the people in your life a moment of happiness at the end of everything, <laughs> that that is a personal victory in the face of existential destruction. And they were like, but how do we not see the planet coming before? And I just like told them all to go fuck themselves. <laughs> and that's when I started my own goddamn podcast. Is that at the exact moment? <laughs> yeah, I just no, I, I don't. I honestly don't remember what the um, what the timetable was on that. But I feel like I definitely wasn't already doing this show. What if that could still be found somewhere out there in the universe where people could just hear me have like a breakdown talking to a pe- bunch of people that like, I think I just started openly insulting at some point. I don't think you've ever done that with me. So apparently I don't make you mad enough and I'm, I, I don't know whether I, I should be offended or not. I, this is, this is the type of insult that I do. I legitimately respect your intellectual opinions <laughs> and your, and believe that you come to places after having done a lot of thoughtful consideration and these fucking idiots, <laughs> I did not feel that way towards. And those people all became the Slash Film Podcast. I oh, and I <laughs> that's a sick burn. No, um, no, because even it was, it was. That's a. I feel like I have to do damage control. Now. <laughs> that's a very populist podcast, and they sometimes think about things in a way that baffles me. But they're always seeming to be thinking about things, and they never dismiss a movie whole cloth because it was directed by a person who wasn't american i don't know the people that i was on that podcast with were just awful like just the the most 
intellectually bankrupt people I've I've ever spoken with. Um, not all of them. I recall one or two of them were fine, but I think that there was one guy in particular who I would have throttled to death. And and so in that way, though, I think Anyara is such a sweeping encapsulation of the entirety of both human experience and humanity's experience that it becomes difficult to disentangle the tragedy from the triumph and the good from the bad because you know the 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 Mima Robin makes it all the way to the end she persists she goes on and other people don't the captain maintains a sense of purpose through the whole thing like there there are people who go on but there are also the people who can't and then you know 5000 years later they're all gone and the ship is like ripped open and you know that's just how life is so it's 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 like the tree of life wherein you've got this tragedy happening and then the movie takes a full like 20 minutes to be like let's put this in context shall we let's show you everything that happened before this and that involves the big bang the beginnings of life on the universe uh dinosaurs and now we're back to this family you know, so you're saying then, this is the tree of life. And then we've also got the heat death of the universe. This is like the, the tree of life, but like the the in a microcosm. All right. Yeah, I All don't right. know. I mean, like, it's 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 clearly not. Like the tree of life is a lot more God focused, and this is a lot more the empty existential terror of the fact that the universe is wide and unforgiving. Yeah. And the tree of life's point is like you you know there's tragedy and you wonder why god would let this happen to you when you're a good person but like here's god's point of view <laughs> and within that you exist for less than the blink of an eye you know and this movie's like uh yeah you know like there's good there's happy there's sad there's everything but then at the end of the day like we're all just going to be dead anyway and i don't think it takes a 100% like a viewpoint on that i think it just makes that point at the end All right, yeah. you've you've somewhat you've somewhat convinced me. <laughs> right. and, and none of none of what I've just said in any way invalidates you going. Uh, it gets kind of bleak, and I don't know that I like it because yeah, I get it. <laughs> like that's pretty fucked up. L- literally, that seems like less than ten minutes after a giant orgy with a cult too. So you know, yeah, yeah. As you're saying, the look, you full... got to stick around long enough for the cult orgies. That's what I'm saying. The full human experience. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what else we have to say about this one. We, we, we've talked for a decent amount of time for it being only us. I mean, I, I know we could obviously find a way to ramble on, but I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about, Brad? Um, I don't think so. I, um, I think that this is a very interesting double feature with high life. Um, yeah. I think it's weird because, like, it's two movies where a child has been born on a spaceship. Yes. And weirdly, the one that I think has a more humanist bent to it is the one where that child is then subsequently drowned in a bathtub. And High Life... I think this this highlights one of my issues with High Life, is that it's clear that 
Robert Pattinson's character in that movie is the best person on that ship and has an outlook, except for maybe um, Andre. Uh, Andre three K. Andre Benjamin's, yeah. <laughs> but he dies, and so I like. I really wanted to see, like, the whole progression of him raising that girl and like teaching her things, and like, I don't know if it's like an awakening of his soul or just him finding like a little bit of grace. It's just weird that like that that movie has a happier arc that apparently goes on for like 14 years after most of what we see. But that movie slogs through like three months of hell and then just cuts all that stuff out. And this movie consistently cuts away from the most like graphic and terrible and tumultuous parts just to show us the more peaceful areas that exist between that. So it's a it's weird to me. It's very interesting. And yeah, I, I would like that is it, interesting. It, it seems to me that I would like that it, when it comes to the concept of the movie, sure. I like high life more. But when it comes to the execution, what I saw on the screen, I somehow like Anyara more. Interesting. And that all I, comes down to just the uh, the narrative structure, I guess. I think this gave me a greater appreciation for high life, but I'm still also very mixed on high life. But I. It made me think a lot more about how much stranger the structure is in high life and the fact that so many things seem to – so much like passage of time seems to happen in miniature where in this it's like – it's very clearly delineated. Even if it's delineated in kind of strange, continually longer increments, mm-hmm. the way that high life works – is a lot more, it's a lot more unknown, which I, I guess is just a lot more like sensuous and like kept me involved more than this ultimately does. Um, even as, as you're saying, they are very similar and even the ending could be seen as very similar. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I will certainly rewatch high life before the end of the year, but it is, not at all what I wanted it to be. That's what I'll say. <laughs> I don't think that I have anything that operates. I like, here's the thing. And this is what I said at the beginning of the episode. I think people should see this. I enjoyed the movie. I cannot argue with anything that you've said. <laughs> um, and in my mind, I think that that's one of the great things that can be said about this movie. And I, without like, without us like trolling through our lives and our outlooks on humanity, which we've done a few times on this podcast and in our Slack conversations, it'd be hard to know exactly why that is the case. There's a part of me that wonders, like, if if my continued belief in God and my engagement with Catholicism and anything has given me a kind of like Zen outlook on the eradication of all human life and including my own that allows me to look at something like that and find the humor and the kind of awe in it. But I just don't know. (laughs) That's fair. Did you like the scene with the cross? I do because I was like, Oh, finally there's a realistic atheist in a movie. (laughs) I am. Maybe it's just the places that I've lived and the places I've grown up. Whenever I see like a movie about like a Christian who's like a, an uber bastard or bitch about it, I always find that weird because I'm like, I've never met that person. But then I talk to people who have and I'm like, so they must exist. But like, 
The people who always seem to be the most intolerant are the people who believe in nothing. And I think that that's actually dissipating the older I get. I think maybe there's just like a rebellious phase that every person who loses all faith goes through where they think that they've figured it all out and they're like, but they're not evangelical about it. They're just a dick about it. No, I think that's, I think there is something even beyond the early like gravitation towards uh, religion. I, I think there's something just uh, naturally anarchic about being atheist or agnostic, I, I, especially atheist. Like, and I think that's only a little bit because Richard Dawkins is just a, a massive knob. Uh, the guy who didn't understand uh, Arrival until he read the Wikipedia. Yes. Love that like I, that's in part <laughs> well, because of him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, that's understandable. And I, I do find it interesting how often people expect to fight with religion when they find your atheist or agnostic. Which is, I, there's a part of me that always wonders about it. Cause like if you're, if you're atheist, I don't, this is, we're so off topic. No, now, but go ahead. Go ahead. So I, I like this stuff. So, Whenever I find like, okay, so I went to Costco a couple weeks ago and I'm standing outside my car, making sure that I have my keys before I lock it. And this group of people walk up to me. I think there were like four of them. And they they said, said, hello, sir. Like, (laughs) 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 they said, hello, sir. Like, how are you today? And I was like, I am great. And I like immediately look in their hands because I'm like, okay, they don't have any boxes. They're not going to try to sell me anything. Yeah, no, that wasn't about, like, guns or knives. I just wanted to make sure that, like, they weren't those people with candy bars or, like, Christmas ornaments. No, that's worse than guns or knives. So yeah. you're good. And so I said, I'm fine. How are you? And they're like, great. You know, we're from this church that's up the road, you know, Christian Fellowship or whatever. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm Catholic. Is that going to be a problem? <laughs> they were like, no, like, we're, we're happy to have all, like, people of faiths, you know, and brothers and sisters in Christ and stuff. And, like... They spoke to me for a bit. They asked if there was anything I wanted to pray with them about. At the time, my great aunt was going into hospice. And I was like, yeah, you know, like, why not? Why not avail myself of the kindness of these people? All this stuff. And so when I think about people who are advocating for religion correctly, I think about people like the people in that Costco parking lot who are not there to try to, like, get one for their team, but who believe that they have an answer or a gift and they want to give it to the world you know and i i like those kinds of people i have never come across a person who is an atheist who acts that way like i i Mm. have never come across an atheist who's like guys i found the truth and the truth is that there is no god there's nothing waiting for us and we can just have fun like, we don't have to have rules. We don't have, like, you know, clearly we shouldn't beat the shit out of each other and, like, steal one another's stuff. But, like, we can drink to excess or we can listen to rock music or we can have multiple sexual partners. Like, this is great. Without the moral impediments of an organized religion, we can live a more experimental and a possibly more fulfilling life. Instead, they walk up to you and they go, oh, you believe in Jesus? Uh, Harry Potter is more real than Jesus. And then I'm just like, what are you trying to do right now? 
Has, has this happened to you? Uh, yeah, a lot of times. I went to a public university in uh, Maryland, which is right outside of D.C., where the atheists are frothing at the mouth. <laughs> do, do you have a cross on generally? I have a St. Christopher's medallion. Okay. So, like, in general, people are like, oh, what's on your necklace? And I guess when I find out, when they find out it's not like Jack Skellington or something, they're like, ah, you believe in God, fool? And I'm just like, I don't understand your... What is, like, the evangelical point of this conversation? Like, at some point in you berating me, am I going to go, you're right? I think there's a lot of perception that atheists are reactionary. I mean, that they're that they're seen as that yeah like as you're saying you're not going to have proactive atheists because their whole sense is i mean there's something like inherently narcissistic about yeah there's something something inherently narcissistic about atheism because you have to you have to deny what so many others around you believe. I mean, because you could say this about any religion. Well, I was going to say I, there's a, there's an inherent narcissism in Christianity because there's an all powerful sure. sky god who made you in his image. Like, <laughs> sure, but all religions kind of have this similar uh, or this kind of like parallel uh, parallel uh, superiority, even if it's not actively a part of uh, their worship or how they talk about it. Like. I, you know, I, I'm not going to call Christians condescending because <laughs> they, <laughs> they have the sky god. Like, you know, it's it's th- their belief just as many other people have other beliefs. But there is something. Well, that- I almost I almost feel bad for 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 the concept of atheism because <sighs> it can it it is literally defined by its opposition to another concept. Sure. It is atheistic. It is anti-theistic. <laughs> and so I think that it's almost like you need to create a whole new sphere of like, I don't believe in God. And that's fine. Like, I am not in opposition to God. I am not like negating. Sure. Like, I have not removed God from me. I just don't think he's there. Yeah. And, you know, I think that you could use something like that where it's like a humanist, but I think that I am to an extent a classical definition of a humanist. But, like, you need something else. And so whenever I watch a movie like this, I do wonder how much of what I believe helps to inform the way that I view it. And that's one of the reasons I like tracking down movies from people who I and I I don't know about these particular creators but from creatives who I know stand in opposition to what I believe interesting because I like to see the ways in which I either sync up with what they're saying or the ways in which I look at the thing that they're saying and then say okay but see this is why I think differently than you well do you have any examples of prominent atheists in particular um, no, my weirdly, my prominent example is is Martin Scorsese, who has a more embattled history with his Catholicism. But I I love I love the fact that he makes consistent he consistently makes movies that are either overtly Christian or have Christian themes. Sure, but that he is always doing it as a means of exploring and kind of like attempting to toughen up whatever faith that he has like 
I think that there's <laughs> a type of art that can be made to glorify whatever you believe in. But that my favorite kind of art is the one where it seems like the artist is trying to make sure that they actually believe what they believe. Interesting. So it, it's an insistence. Is is silence something that you're in particular thinking of in relation I'm to this? I'm thinking of silence. I like The Last Temptation of the Christ. Um, I think That's uh, my favorite Scorsese. <laughs> it's a weird choice, but I'm pretty sure that's my favorite. I also loved, uh, what is it? <clears throat> Who's that knocking at my door? Mm. which has a lot like some of that in there um it's like the fact that this guy legitimately like he's like a fucking gangster but he still has his like weird puritanical streak um just things like that like i and that's one of the reasons that i'm watching anyara and i'm like these people may have no faith they may not even particularly like humanity but in watching it i see people who at least understand it and don't have any clear animosity towards it. And like the astronomer is very upset with that guy for wearing a cross, but the guy doesn't then start like screaming at her and belittling her. He's kind of confused because even if he does believe in God, like shouldn't they all be working towards the same purpose? Like she has clearly given up all hope and thinks that any hope is, is madness. And he is there just like, well, what is the other option? Is it to become like you? Because even if I don't have faith, I'd still prefer to not be what you are right now. That is interesting. That does seem to be maybe the only time in the film that you're having people with two opposing principles. Other than, you know, uh, the uh, other, other than Mima and Swedish carry on Moss. Um, <laughs> I, I, but seriously, uh, Mima Robin and Isabel are, are, you know, two people. It, it's interesting how she takes so long to romance her because she's in part uh, so closed off about her feelings. Yeah. Like so, so that that those are the two kind of uh, pairs of, of character dynamics that are like put against each other or that does say anything about the principles of the humans on the ship like for the most part we don't know anything about even like the mass of people yeah we uh, don't, other than the fact that they have orgies <laughs> it never becomes a movie i don't know like like the way that i don't know the leftovers or deadwood where like you pick a bunch of characters and just kind of watch them move around like we very clearly have point of view characters and even the captain who we spend a lot of time with he's so defined simply by his commitment to his captaincy yes i love i love the point where he's like all right we've got some news for these people we're gonna produce a video i'm gonna be playing pool <laughs> i was just like i love the fact that he still has his media crew and he's like you know what we're gonna do we're gonna make me seem cool as shit when i deliver this good news he needs a shave though let's be honest i, I would he not trust good the with captain. the beard <laughs> With a little bit of the the salt in there, <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think he's a damn good looking man. All right, and he's working out all the time, so you know you get it. Honestly, that's true. That's yeah. true. <laughs> um, so yeah that that was a whole long winded conversation that was just about religion and meaning and atheism, and as a long way of saying, you know, you're going to come to this movie, you're going to have a reaction to it, and you might not even know why. <laughs> 
and and just wait until a hidden life. Then we're really gonna have a good conversation. God, just get ready for seven hours of us. <laughs> That's gonna. I am legitimately curious about how that movie is gonna play because, like. There's a part of me that's almost like, you know, this guy is is like a conscientious objector to the Nazis. So, like, are we not inherently on his side already? <laughs> it's just going to be because, like, um, what was it? Hacksaw Ridge? Yeah. You know, where he's like, I, I want to fight. I, like, I want to help, but I don't want to use a gun. I want to be a medic and I don't want to ever, like, pick up a gun or fire in anger or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And this guy, but like in that, you're like, you know, this coward, he's not helping the war effort. Oh, but he's helping us. He's, you know, one of the Americans and he's stitching up these guys and everything. And in Hidden Life, it's like, here's a peasant guy who doesn't want to go and kill Jews. <laughs> Good. Like, it just feels like it's it's going to be an interesting film. It, I, I can't wait to see the way that it negotiates what on its face feels like a a slam dunk premise just in that how can you be against it? <laughs> like where does the inherent tension come from because no one wants a character to join the nazis i mean not no one but that's part of the problem <laughs> well yes so it's also going to be interesting because i mean malik probably shot that what 12 years ago <laughs> well he cut about a bunch of actors already so maybe they'll uh come back into the cut that we actually get yeah. So like, yeah, he shot it like a couple of years ago, I think. And like now we're living in a world where it's like, so uh, should Nazis be allowed on Twitter? Should we punch them? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going like who's to say at what point, you know, when you fight Nazis, do you become the Nazi? I I feel like I need to mention something I saw, which like, so I have been to Spain before and loved it. And this is not a brag about Spain, but uh, they just categorize nazis as a minority last technically week. true however <laughs> oh, God. that is a horrible thing to do <laughs> did you see this then am i not no this is a shock to me and like there's a part of my brain that's like that's the craziest thing ever and then i'm the other part of my brain is like okay but as a man who works with words for a living is it technically incorrect? And I was like, okay, no, but that's not the point, analytical brain. <laughs> I didn't even realize you were doing that. I, I don't know whether I'm – yeah, I mean, sure, sure. Because <laughs> there's – well, you know, there's 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 minority as like a class of people who we need to protect. Yeah. You know, but that's not technically the definition of minority. Minority is just there's less of them than everyone else. Mm. And so like <laughs> – are Nazis minority? Yes. Are they enough of a minority? No. Should they not exist at all? Yeah. Even better. So, I don't know what minority status gets you in Spain. I don't know, but it makes me less excited to ever go back to Spain. Yeah, it's real. <laughs> that's, that's what real, they believe. That's real weird. Because, yeah, like, is it, like, does that mean that if you were to hit a Nazi in Spain, it's like a hate crime? Oh, I don't know. See, I, I like forbid myself from thinking about things like that. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a part of my brain that's like, you know, yeah, if you hit someone purely for what they believe in or like what they think, then yeah, that's like a hate crime. And it's like, okay, but it's a Nazi. <laughs> it's, 
It's a white supremacist. If it's someone who's actively lobbying for the extermination or deportation of an entire group of people based solely on race, I don't give a shit what my other morals are. I've got to do something. You should be allowed to just stab that person. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, I won't stab him, but I'm, you know, certainly not going to take umbrage with someone else doing it. Wow, Brian's pro Nazis. You guys heard the, heard that. I am <laughs> I am pro anti Nazis. <laughs> this is something that I've battled with, especially as like the uh, abortion thing has raised its ugly head on on like Twitter and through the universe. Where like people are like, so you're pro life, right? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, well, then what do you think of the death penalty? <laughs> and I'm like, I think it's bad. I think it should be taken away. Like, well, what do you think of paid maternal and paternal leave? It's like, I would love that. I didn't get to spend a lot of time with my daughter for the first year of her life. Like, I am all of those things. And I also still believe that abortion is something that people should have safe and easy access to. Like, stop it. (laughs) Stop trying to catch me. So when I think about, like... Would I ever, like, take up arms against some sort of crazy Handmaiden's Tale style, like, white nationalist Christian nation uprising? It's like, well, I don't want to kill anyone, but I have to, you know, protect people. So, yeah, I guess I'd have to. All right. I look forward to your contribution to the uh, oncoming revolution. I mean, I've got the guns already. (laughs) You do. I have two guns. I feel like that's not a DVD copy of two guns starring Mark Wahlberg. No, I know. <laughs> I have two firearms in my house. Uh, I used to be a competitive uh, rifle shooter. I was nationally ranked. I was great. So like when the, the, the war comes and I have to start taking up arms against the, the evil people who are trying to turn us into like a weird Aryan nation, I will do it and I will be great at it and I will feel super bad afterwards. How did we get on this conversation? I have no when idea. Did I have this... to pledge my allegiance to killing Nazis? <laughs> yes. So I, I don't know. Is there anything? I'm else going you to, to the talk beach about? in a day. I don't need this in my life. <laughs> um. Yeah. Did you have any final thoughts about Anyara? Nah, I don't think so. All right. No. I think people should check it out. I think it's crazy. I think. It's crazy in a good way. It's not crazy in like Alita where it's like she attaches her boyfriend's head to her heart for a bit. Or cuts a tear in half. Yeah. Oh, no, it's, it's Alita's fucking cool. <laughs> Alita's nuts uh, in a good way. And this is also nuts, but in a different good way. It's it's uh, ambitious in its narrative. And I, I like that a lot. So Anyara is out on VOD now. Check it out. If you could see it in theaters, I think it would be worth it. I think um, it looks really nice. It, uh, the production design is is great. I, yeah, it's yeah. I I, I'd like to know what the budget was on this because it looks very nice. It's a, it is very nice. I uh, wonder if I can see the production budget. No, doesn't look like it. <laughs> I'm on IMDb and I click details and it's giving me nothing. <laughs> well, you're probably not an IMDb pro, right? Well, I'm never going to spend the money for IMDb pro. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, it says Seymour on IMDb pro. Sorry, not happening on Yara. Anyway, um, so that is it. It's out on VOD now. You can check it out. As always, uh, if you'd like to hear more stuff from us and uh, become a patron, go to patreon.com slash show and give us your money. Also, don't forget, there's a bunch of great shit on movie. Um, I don't know if this is going to get out Friday, but if it does, you have until midnight to watch tape. If it's uh, after that, then you're listening to it. Why didn't you watch tape? 
Or did you like tape? Email us podcast to the or, yeah podcast at filmstage.com or tweet at us at filmstage show. And uh, you can get a free 30-day co- trial, a free 30-day copy, a free 30-day trial of movie by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. And that is it for today. What is it with you and me? Every time we get together, we talk about Nazis. I know. Ma- mainly because the one time we did it, it was about a video game where you got to kill Nazis. <laughs> yeah, but we also talk about religion, and, and now we talked about religion and then Nazis. Sometimes I wonder if I ought to do a spinoff podcast speaking with critics purely from a religious standpoint to see how it informs like their opinions on film. No, I, th- I think that'd be really interesting, honestly. All right, great. I'm going to patent that idea. But None of you patent. assholes listening can use that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we will be back next week when we will probably be talking about Domino, the newest film from Brian De Palma, starring Nikolai Costawaldo of the uh, Game of Thrones. You know, I am that does not seem to have some great reviews, but I am really excited about that one. (laughs) I am curious for it. Until then, uh, again, we can follow it on Twitter at Film State Show, Facebook, The Film State Show, and uh, let's tell the fine people at home where you and I can be found between now and the next episode. Michael Snydell. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Snydell, um, and I uh, bumped, or I, oh my God, talked about it last time, but I also wrote about The Perfection, which people really like and now really hate. And just saying, I was ahead of the curve a little bit. <laughs> should I watch that? So, no. Okay. No. Great. No, you should not. <laughs> okay. Jesus, fine, I won't. All right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> as for myself, uh, my personal site, thebrianjeron.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, all that stuff at Brian J. Rowan. And uh, you can find my writing and every episode of this podcast at thefilmstage.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, and tune in next time. Check ignition, and may God's love be with you. It was a very serendipitous lyric to come up on. <laughs> <laughs>